possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace Theater. Welcome to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz, presented by Webster Bank. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, soundsofbroadway.com, playing the best from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. I'll be your host for this podcast series. On today's inaugural show, my guest is Frank Tavera, CEO of the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. Welcome to our podcast, Frank. It's great to be here, Stu. Thanks for hosting this, and thanks for um, being part of the launch of this exciting new program for us. Well, before we talk about the Broadway Buzz podcast, can you give listeners an update of what's happening at the Palace since the pandemic hit last spring? Yeah, sadly, the buzz has just been a slow hum at this point, uh, Stu. The reality is since March 12th, um, when really everything came to a screeching halt, um, all the agents in New York um, for our Broadway shows called that one day to say the tours are being postponed, we need to cancel, we need to reschedule. Um, so we have been in a holding pattern since March 12th of 2020 um, because of this pandemic. The reality is, Stu, that we have moved all of the programs that were listed on our calendar um, for that past season. We moved them once to the fall of 2020, spring of 2021. Reality is we're moving them yet again just because we have not cleared this hurdle. So to that point, we've been quietly in the building, um, keeping the building in great shape, which is exciting because it's important um, to make sure the physical structure um, is still withheld. And we've been doing fundraising because um, we're still in operation. We still have expenses and fundraising has been our primary course of business at this point. So when you say that you're now moving everything to fall 2021, right now, is it just the planning? Because I'm assuming it takes a lot of effort from you and your staff to, in a sense, schedule for the fall 2020. Oops, now we got to do 2021. Now we got to go to fall 2021. It's not just you pick up the phone and say, okay, we're going to change. Thanks a lot. There must be a lot behind that. Yeah. Keeping with the Broadway buzz theme, um, I'm going to say this has been like moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, um, just so we'll keep everything wrapped up. And it has truly been that. I mean, there was a true sense of optimism, I will say, um, when the pandemic first hit. Right? They, the idea that we were going to be closed for two months, three months, just postponed for a quarter, maybe two quarters of the year, we would move those shows. As things did not improve, as the pandemic spread and spread more geographically throughout the country and definitely had um, some debilitating effects on, you know, communities at large, north, south, east and west, the idea that this was a six month kind of gap um, really came to full awareness. And that's when the agents and the producers in New York said, this isn't going to even happen in fall of 21. We're going to have to move it one whole season and or one whole um, fiscal year. And for us, that's a July to a June period of time when we, like we're at like an academic school year. So it has required us to keep our calendar completely clean of any other activity. And the only thing we can currently do right now is to reschedule and leave open our dates in order to accommodate those productions that were supposed to happen this past spring or this coming fall and try to accommodate them in the upcoming 18 month period of time. Broadway has said they are not going to reopen until June. And, and who knows what's going to go on in the world? Correct. 
let's say things improve, would the palace potentially look at something for the summer, like a quick fix just to occupy the space during the summer months? It's a great question. And it's funny because of the fact that specific to Broadway, we need to keep in mind that everything has been shuttered, right? There has been no creative work with no disrespect to everybody, but the actors, the directors, choreographers, no one has done any work whatsoever since we've shut our doors. In order for them to be able to mount a production, you're looking at anywhere between three to four months, recast, reschedule, restage, re-choreograph. And so even if we were to get the all clear come June, from a health perspective, from a, hey, it's safe to go back inside, the vaccine is hit and everyone feels comfortable, it would still take anywhere between three to four months before you will actually see physical product come through that door. That being said, if in fact, and God willing, Stu, a, um, a vaccine is in place and the um, spread subsides um, and we are able to open our doors, let's say June of 2021, right? That would be next June. Um, we would likely do something more local. Um, we might do local entertainment, local bands, entertainment that we can manage and put on our stage, um, but doesn't require a large production to be mounted and to be fed to us. So that's where we might see ourselves fitting in. But for Broadway, we'd have to wait patiently for the shows to be remounted. I think that's so interesting. And I think for our listeners, because people might think, well, there's this show and they're, they're shuttered at this castle somewhere in upstate New York, and they're just waiting for the phone to ring and then bingo, we can put on a show. But it just it's it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And one of the things that I think is interesting that many people don't know about not only the Palace Theater, but any presenting theater of our size and capacity that does touring Broadway productions is the fact that we are part of the larger ecosystem. And I say that because of the fact that it, for an engagement such as, and I will use a, a title like Jersey Boys, which we have it was supposed to be this past April. We have rescheduled it to next April, and it's likely coming in May, March of 2022, okay? So it's going to be two years from the book, original booking date to the rescheduled date. The reality is that in order for Jersey Boys to go out on the road, to play venues like the Palace and our competitors, the Bushnell in um, Hartford, Schubert in New Haven, they need the rest of the country to be in solid health, and um, and stable in order for them to take their bus and truck, their touring engagement from Connecticut to Massachusetts, to New Hampshire, to New York, to Maryland and spread across the country. So even if the palace were given the all clear today, if the state of Connecticut was given the, it's a go, you can open your doors 100% capacity, welcome people back in. The reality is until the rest of the country is ready to welcome safely those performances and those customers in their building, the shows will not go out because financially it doesn't make sense for the engagements. And I guess that's why they call them national tours. Exactly. (laughs) Hence the name. (laughs) Well, again, I think that's important to know because I think people that look at presenting theaters like yourself Mm -hmm. don't always know when it's, well, why can't they have that show or what's going on here? And, and I know it, it can be sometimes a logistical nightmare. I understand mm-hmm. when you had Phantom, it wasn't that, hey, producers, can we have Phantom next season? It took you, what, a couple of years mm-hmm. to get on the, the Phantom 
schedule? So with high demand shows like A Phantom, A Les Mis, um, The Book of Mormon, some of the classics that we have presented, you need to be on their calendar anywhere between two, two and a half years. And then even if your venue is able to accommodate the program, the, the large scale presentation, then the routing, right, which is basically the map across the country has to work. So example, Phantom of the Opera says, hey, Frank, we want to come to the Palace in Waterbury in October. Let's just say that month. Unfortunately, my October is booked. If I say no to October, I may not see that show for another year, year and a half, because they just have to sequentially, consecutively, and consistently tour their um, shows from city to city to city in a way that um, there's no breach in calendar so they can get maximum financial impact. So the title is one we like. The venue has to be um, physically capable of accepting the production, and then the calendar has to allow as well. So with all of this, <laughs> you have, or I don't know if you can reveal anything that is potentially in the works for when the palace, when you're looking to reopen and okay. also the, the number, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to be increasing because there has been this lack of a Broadway series for such a long time, are you going to throw in a few others? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's a, that's a great question. And we have been um, kind of managing that process since the closure in, in March. And interestingly enough, again, this is, you know, we're having this Broadway buzz conversation. So the other part is, I think, and um, I think you would appreciate this as being a theater aficionado yourself, is truly since with the closure, there has been no creative new programs being developed. No one has been in studio. No one has been um, workshopping much of anything because because the uncertainty of when something can be mounted and presented remains deeply in question. So to that point, what we are seeing is that within the next two years, again, we are going to be using this calendar, this fiscal year of ours, which is June of 20, July of 20 to July of to June of 21, this year coming through, it's a gap year. We will have nothing presenting on our stage, sadly, because the market, the programs, and the titles will not be ready. Everything that we had originally planned to book within that this current season we are in will be will return, but it will now be in the 2021-2022 season, so almost a year and a half away. Every show, I would say 99% of the Broadway titles that we had intended to present this past spring, in 20, spring of 2020, will be reseen in the season of 21-22. So I'm gonna back into your question by saying we may likely have about nine titles within our season of 21-22 to accommodate everything that was booked for this current season and what everything we could not present in the past season. So it's a make good year for us to kind of accommodate all those titles and those programs. So Broadway fans will be very happy once the programming starts because it's not going to be, usually you have what, five? Five. Five, so it's, you're almost doubling the amount of shows. Yeah, good, and that's a good and a bad news, right? So good news is now everything you wanted to see, and uh, you know some of the titles are American in Paris. It's coming back. Jersey Boys. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be fulfilling its um, engagement. We had Waitress as an announcement. It's coming. Beautiful is coming. Um, so th- just four of those titles. The nice part is now we'll have those nine part nine, nine titles that will be fulfilled within one calendar year. So a lot of options for people to finally say, 
I've been trapped in my home for 18 months. I need to get out. Now I can see um, whatever I want. So good news is we'll have that kind of maximum capacity of programming. In return to our customers who are incredibly vital to us, we will give more programming options now. So Stu Brown, you will not be required to come see all nine programs. It's, you know, the, it would be financially um, a challenge for many to be able to commit not only of their time as well as their resources. So we will in turn put packaging together to say, pick the five, six that you really want to see. Make it affordable, comfortable for you as long as you feel safe returning to the theater. We'll make it um, accommodating at that point. So that, that's our way of responding because there will be a lot of programming within that year. Last thing, I, not last thing ever, I will say, but <laughs> if you know me, if you figured me out yet. <laughs> um, but the good news as well, from the industry side, because we are all, every venue across the country is kind of working through this gap year or this fulfillment year, that will allow the market and the industry itself to start formulating programs of the future. So while we are presenting the old titles, New York should be busy at work putting together new titles to put back on Broadway and put back on the road for future production. So this really does benefit both, unfortunately, and it allows our creativity to happen and it allows us to deliver what we'd intended to deliver along. That sounds fantastic. I think, you know, to have potentially so many options and, and just the titles you listed are all great shows. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, there's not a I don't want to say a clunker in there, but I mean, those are shows that I think people will want to see. And if people haven't seen them in New York, uh, I mean, Waitress, American in Paris is one of my personal all-time favorite shows. The, was it, 12-minute dance sequence at the end. I, I almost started crying. It it's just, a beautiful production, yes. So beautiful. Yeah. Well, let me go to, you know, we talk, or I mentioned at the very top of, of this program that this is the Palace Theater Broadway Buzz presented by Webster Bank. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when people go to the theater and, and you come out or someone says, oh, we'd like to thank our sponsors and Webster Bank, et cetera, et cetera, and people nod their heads and, and wait for the show to begin. But what does that mean, that sponsored by Webster Bank? Webster Bank has been, first of all, an incredibly loyal patron to the theater since we've reopened our doors back in 2004. Um, and so because of their loyal sponsorship, their support. They are, uh, you know, they're a local bank, although they are broader than a local bank these days. They're, um, they still have local connections and they understand the importance of the arts, improving the quality of life for their patrons across the state and Rhode Island and New York at this point. So their, their philanthropic commitment to arts organizations is one that has been in greatly received by many organizations, including the Palace. For them, for their name to be associated with the Webster Broadway series, which we are incredibly grateful for, is what it does is it puts their name in front of people in a different way, right? It gives them the exposure to different clients um, in a sense that isn't hawking a checking account, a home line, a line of credit or mortgage, et cetera, but it puts them in forefront of people's minds to say, oh, a community bank that does good work within their community, perhaps I may choose to bank there. It is really one about giving them the credit they deserve for being loyalists and supporters of the community at large. They receive tickets, they receive recognition and marketing exposure, um, but it really is a way to kind of ingrain themselves further in this community in a way that, um, you know, otherwise you cannot do. And this, um, so that's the true benefit of their support. We're going to take a very short break, and then we're going to be back with Frank Tavera and the Palace Theatre's Broadway buzz. We're all living through an unusual time together, but each one of us is dealing with it differently. Webster Bank is here to help you move forward at whatever pace is right for you. 
Whether you're taking small steps or big, bold ones. Whether you're refocusing on your future, re-energizing your business, or reconnecting with everyone you love, Webster will help you take your next steps on your time. We're talking with Frank Tavera, who is the CEO of the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. And Frank, how about if you talk about the Palace's reputation in the theater world? When you were talking before, you, know, you, you seem to be very well connected in the global theater world, the producers in, in New York. So what, what's the reputation of the Palace? I would tell you, um, Stu, we they are the newest um, performing arts center in the state of Connecticut. Although one of the oldest buildings, right, we will ce- be celebrating our 100 years um, in 2022. But since our reopening in 2004, we are really considered the newest of the venues. Um, the fact that, that we're in our infancy, only 15, 16 years, but we have proven ourselves across the board as a couple things. Number one, when they built the building, when they restored the building to the tune of $30 million to make it fully adapted um, performing arts centers, they did the smartest thing they could have, which was expand the size of our stage house, right? So our stage house, without getting too deep and technical, it is 50 feet deep. It's 100 feet wide, inclusive of wing space. It is one of the largest stage houses in the state. And I think it is the stage house for Performing Arts Center, unencumbered. And I say that because of the fact that unencumbered stage space is critical. So when you're putting in a large presentation like Phantom of the Opera, you know you can get in, you can get out. There's ample space to accommodate all the set pieces. That makes a huge difference in the touring world because often enough productions are built kind of in a a one-size-fits-all capacity. They will go from city to city. But the more space you have, the more you can accommodate the attractions of any size makes you a little bit more attractive to them because they know there's going to be less issues loading in a show, getting a show out, and knowing the technical capabilities exist. So from a theatrical side, from a physical presence side, we are very highly esteemed because of our accessibility as well size of venue, which is about 2,600 seats, as well as kind of the grandeur of the space. People love the fact that they walk into the Palace Theater, and these are the artists I'm talking about. They walk into this grand old building, see it state-of-the-art from the proscenium back, right? Everything is brand spanking new. Their technical capabilities are at the highest level um, of any building they can walk through, but when they walk out to the edge of the curtain and they look out to stage, they see this classic old, almost 100-year-old venue. They love that. You know, it kind of gets their juices flowing. It gets them more excited and present even better. So to know that technically we can accommodate it um, is critical. To know that the artist and the management likes being in this building because of the pure aesthetic is vital. The other part that's important to us is the fact that we are centrally located between New York um, and Boston. And if New York wants to do outside presentations, quickly send up their agents, producers, directors to see their show for review they have access to. So our convenient location to New York City and Broadway is um, is amazing. One of the interesting things is um, we were pre-opening the building. It was in 2003. Avita was coming through before they were launching their national tour. We had yet to reopen our doors physically to the public. Hal Prince was in our building. And I'm like, that is so cool. Hal Prince. I mean, the, uh, just an amazing director uh, with so much Broadway um, credentials. He was in our building. He could pop in to see his production in our space 
and then go back home. So the reputation is one that location is great, technical capacity is great, market share we do um, just fine in, and the physical aspect of this building is the icing on the cake. I am so impressed when I walk into that building and and you really don't get the idea of what the building looks like from the outside. Nope. It's just very plain facade. When you walk in, just the, the grand staircases, just the ceilings, I mean, when you're in the theater and you're looking up before the show, just the artistry, I always tell people it is one of the, if not the most beautiful theater in New England. It is, it's breathtaking. I tell people, if you're not a Broadway fan, just like book a show just to go see the theater, to be part of that. I, I would say the, the restoration process of this building, I had mentioned it cost $30 million to fully restore this building to its original grand luster of 1922. Um, and for us, the interesting part the amazing part for me is and you've been on our grand foyer i can stand there on a show night and i will be able to stand on the perch as if i'm a vita myself um you know my arms stretched out greeting the greeting the masses um but i can tell you who is a first timer in that building because of the way their eyes look up their jaw goes down jaw drops and they are just in awe that they had just walked on east main street in downtown waterbury took a turn into a building and they're blown away by the architecture, the aesthetic. And you know what it is? It's the warmth of the space due to the color palette, whether it's the gold and the burgundy and also the, uh, our staffing, our staffing is incredibly warm. So you walk in and you are overcome by kind of the grandeur of this kind of historic and it harkens back to a different era. Cause you go to a movie theater today, you go to a Broadway house today, as we all have done, you're like, eh, it's okay, you know, it's, it's a comfortable seat. Maybe our seats aren't as comfortable, but the grandeur and the experience um, is so much more than um, what you'd experience going to an auditorium, a coliseum, a casino, etc. So for those who have never been to the theater, uh, to your earlier point, we do tours. We do tours that just bring you through historically of the space, talks about the restoration, talks about the previous artistry. Um, it's worth it just for the grand uh, experience of walking through this building. And I, I'm assuming that's what keeps bringing the patrons back, is that they like that experience. They don't have to spend all that money to go to New York, park, have dinner, spend a lot of money on tickets, and come back. I mean, a family of four you could probably go bankrupt just to see one Broadway show and you could invest that money in a season ticket at the palace and get high quality touring shows in a much nicer environment. Yeah. I would tell you in a nicer environment, 15 to 20 minutes away from your home. Um, and the overall experience, one thing we always tell for anybody who walks through the door is our customer service is unmatched. You know, when you walk in the door, our core of volunteers, they treat this like it's their own home. So if your feet are wet, they're going to tell you wipe your feet, you know, but, but out of love, right? You know, like my mother, if I, she vacuumed her carpet, I couldn't walk on the carpet. It was just, it was clean. So, um, but you get that kind of feeling that you're walking into someone's living room. Um, and when you walk into New York, it's a little bit colder. It's a little bit more business as usual. Um, here, it is a welcoming to a facility that we want you to come back to. And that's always been our plan. Make this your palace, make it your place, which is our tagline. Um, and, and come back for anything, whether it's a Broadway show, a, host a special event, come in for a private party, whatever the case may be. And I think also people... When they go there, they know a lot of people because yes. it is, I don't want to say community theater, I, I'm going to say community theater in the sense that 
they know their neighbors and their neighbors are coming. So it's not going to a Broadway house. And even though you might be going with one or two other people, you know, no one else. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming people, especially those people that go consistently, they're going to know a lot of their neighbors. I, I, I can imagine it's almost like, okay, you need to start, stop talking and get to your seats <laughs> yes. because we, we kind of want to start the show. Yeah. It is a little bit of a high school reunion every time uh, people show up for a Friday, Saturday evening of a Broadway show here in, in, in a very good way. There's that, there's that community gathering. Um, there's that kind of engagement. And you know, and, and as, you, as you said that, which is interesting to me, and I think this may be helpful to us when we reopen our doors is that it there is that sense of community right that when people walk in and if you know that you're a subscriber on a friday evening you know who you're sitting next to i can likely contact trace in advance and say Stu, by the way your neighbor's next door we're going to check in with them make sure everyone's fine um and comfortable i think that may alleviate some of the concern when people do come back to the theater knowing that they know who's sitting with them as opposed to the anonymous person um, that they have never seen before who has that scratchy throat and you're you know you're <laughs> questioning and rolling your eyes at that point so it could be to our benefit at that point let me just mention website so people don't have to google it but, but it's Palace Theater, and that's E-R. Sometimes people do the R-B, but it's mm -hmm. palacetheaterct.org. We're going to take one more short break, and then we're going to be back with Frank Tavera. Where can you hear the best music from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage? The answer, soundsofbroadway.com, your 24-7 online Broadway music radio station. Listen to selections from well-known, popular, and more obscure musicals from the most diverse playlists anywhere. That's soundsofbroadway.com. Let's go on with the show. We're all living through an unusual time together, but each one of us is dealing with it differently. Webster Bank is here to help you move forward at whatever pace is right for you. Whether you're taking small steps or big, bold ones. Whether you're refocusing on your future, re-energizing your business, or reconnecting with everyone you love, Webster will help you take your next steps on your time. We're back with Frank Tavera, the CEO of the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. I'm Stuart Brown, your host for this podcast series. And the podcast series is entitled The Broadway Buzz. So, Frank, why is the palace delving into podcasts? Well, it's funny you say that. I think, number one, out of demand, um, people like hearing the backstory. People like to know what is the, you know, what is behind the curtain? Again, going with the Wizard of Oz. What's behind the curtain? How is the magic truly made? So we thought it was important to kind of lend that um, insight to those customers and patrons interested in figuring out a little bit more of, uh, of kind of the nuances of the business that we are in. Because it appears fun. It appears like magic. But the reality is it is a business and there's work behind it. So we thought that was important. Number two, the other reason really was because of the fact that we are going to be in this state of kind of... State of um, static for right now. We're doing nothing um, but booking um, shows for the future. We thought this would be an interesting way to kind of promote, highlight, and inform people of what is coming down the road. Build some excitement and anticipation. We know there's pent up demand and pent up anxiety for people wanting to get back out to the theater, whether 
in, at the palace, whether in New York or any community venue. So we thought that this could be a nice tool for kind of bring people up to speed, help kind of inform them of upcoming shows that are coming, give them a little bit of background and backstory. And Stu, I know you have the depth and breadth um, for a lot of those presentations. Better inform them before they walk through the door. So when they see the show, they can say, that's what Anastasia is all about. I didn't realize it was based on a book or the music was designed by so-and-so. I, I think that's important for people. In a digital age, people like engaging at this other level. And then we need to pay it off with live entertainment in front of their faces. Are you looking also to bring in, let's say, a new audience, more of a, a social media savvy group that might not respond so well to the traditional ways of, of outreach. Yes. And I think we are seeing this over the last five to six years. We have seen such a shift in the way people consume their product. Um, and you know, we had an interesting meeting internally and they said, who's your competitor? And they said, the digital world is our competitor. Because as you will appreciate just as much as I do, we are kind of one of the last vestiges of live entertainment, right? When you're doing a song and dance at eight o'clock on Friday night, when curtain goes up, I can't hit pause. I can't on demand this. I can't say, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Where you hold that number for a second. I got to make popcorn, right? You don't have that luxury. And as a vestige of kind of live entertainment, we need to reach out to those people who may be trapped on a device right now, looking at their phone, watching the best YouTube video ever, but we need to find a way to get to them, engage with them, and force them to cross the door, walk into East Main Street, walk into any live theater. Michael, any live theater, experience it for what it is because the delivery method of live theater versus your device are so vastly different and so vastly rewarding and, um, for live entertainment. You got to see it to believe it. And I think that's part of the mission as well. It's so interesting you say that because personally, I have a very hard time watching streaming theater. Mm -hmm. it, it could be live theater. It could be streaming. And there's a reason it's called live theater. I can't watch it. People ask me, Stu, do you miss the theater? I say, well, yeah, but it's that live aspect. So it's the live aspect. And then there might be that magical moment. But it would be very interesting if people, like you said, that they've been cooped up for months or longer and they have not experienced live, that once live becomes available, is there going to be this mad dash to get out there to experience it because they haven't experienced it? We are hoping on that. <laughs> you're hoping, yeah. Yeah, we're hoping. I'll, I'll, be, wait, I'll be waiting at the doors. Um, but you, you, you mentioned the, the, you know, the digital versus live or the video. You know, one of the great examples of that um, is Hamilton, which just went out on uh, you know, streaming services, et cetera. I had the luxury, and I'm not bragging, but I had the luxury of seeing Hamilton with the original cast back when it opened up. Phenomenal presentation. Love the show. And then we are, we are Hamilton fans, and we watched it on demand, on streaming service. It was good. It was entertaining. But the connection did not exist. I couldn't walk through the screen and see Lin-Manuel Miranda crying physically in, in, uh, during some of his scenes. And I think that is a part where, to your point, uh, is being lost right now in the digital world. Hopefully there's enough pent-up demand to say, I need to see this. I want to feel it. And it's going to be delivered in a different way. You know, that's what we are. We, live theater venues, we are counting on that. We're banking on that. So maybe the pandemic has provided us a little bit of a service. So to say, okay, hey, you haven't seen it. Now you can appreciate it more so because you've taken advantage of it. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful, but um, 
the delivery systems are so vastly different, so differently rewarding. Live entertainment, people need to experience it. And I'm going to advocate for that. And the thing is that I, I don't think people that have not experienced live theater a lot, what they're, what they're missing, it's the connection with the audience. Connecticut probably has the most regional theaters, really great regional theaters in the country. And whether it's Broadway, the Palace, an, another theater, you get that connection. And, and so we look at a silver lining for the pandemic. And this could be something where people are like, maybe I'll give it a chance. And, and here you are saying, we're going to have a lot of product out there and we're not going to force you to buy a season ticket for all nine shows. We're going to give you packages. I, I think out of deference to our loyal supporters and the consumers who come to the theater for that experience, we need to, we need to do that. We need to be respectful to the fact that everyone has um, you know a certain appetite and you know financial capability and time capability because time is um, probably the most large the largest restrictor of people's ability to go see the theater. And to my point about live theater. It's at eight o'clock on a Friday night, people. Eight o'clock and show up a half hour early would be nice too, right? <laughs> and turn off your cell phone. Exactly. So, like all those little um, etiquette things, which you you know, when you're sitting on your couch with a bowl of popcorn and a beer in hand, you can do whatever you so choose and uh, have at it. When you're in the theater, a little bit of um, um, theater etiquette is necessary. One other thing I did want to just mention, you mentioned regional theaters, and I mentioned Anastasia, for example, which will be coming to the theater in the fall of 21. But, you know, that was homegrown out of Hartford Stage. Went from a great production on the Hartford Stage, went to New York on Broadway, did the national tour, and it's been around. And now we will see it here in a different iteration, in a different capacity. But it's exciting to see kind of the growth from ground zero and then come back home. Uh, you know, that's really exciting for us to be able to celebrate the good work that Hartford Stage does. Well, Frank, I want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be Is it that busy, work. Stu? Is it that busy? Is it? No, I, I'm, I'm trying to give you an out there. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, to spend time on this inaugural broadcast of the Broadway Buzz. And like you said, the goal, I think, of the podcast is really to bring the latest information and also to, at this point, for the next number of episodes to revisit what the palace has done to let people know to keep those productions in people's mind and with that in mind the next episode is going to be kind of like a musical walk down holiday lane and we're going to look at some of the holiday themed touring shows that have played at the palace theater so i'm looking forward to that so continue the good work booking those shows thank you so we all have something to look forward to You've been listening to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz, presented by Webster Bank. My name is Stuart Brown. I'm founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, soundsofbroadway.com, playing the best from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me on our next podcast episode. Like I said, we'll be taking a musical walk down Holiday Lane with some of the holiday-themed touring shows that have played the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. Until then, stay safe, be well and be informed with the Broadway buzz. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace.